Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today, Today. we are talking about social media influencers. Mm -hmm. Yes. And since the new year brings with it hope and aspirations and goals, and for a lot of us, that means social media and social media influencers maybe might be part of that. Um, Before we get into it, trigger warning for very, very brief mention of eating disorders. About a year ago, I was sent some sort of influencer application for travel, and I almost did a spit take. I guess that's a thing now. Is were you excited about it? Is that why you? I'm definitely it? not or... an influencer. Oh, but... you're kind of an influencer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was told that we were we as a unit. Okay, are well, I'll accept that. But I mean, you're bigger because you have two great shows, <laughs> and you're a movie star, and you're oh, all of those things. Thank so you. That makes sense. Thank you. Um, I did not apply. I did not fill out the application. Maybe next time, if I ever receive another one, mm-hmm. I'll think about it more seriously. 2020. It's time. It's time. It's far. <laughs> it's been time. <laughs> and I want to start this out by saying I don't really have a problem with influencers as long as they're upfront about their sponsors and in general aren't peddling unhealthy beauty standards and products to achieve those beauty standards or anti-feminist rhetoric But I am always, always, always a big proponent of understanding the messages we and younger folks, if you have children, get through the media we consume. Do your own research. Don't get stuck in that comparison trap. And I also espouse a responsible wielding of power. In a perfect world, that would mean something like fact-checking. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I would say that there is a huge responsibility in the words you speak. So think about the funny quips or inside jokes you're about to tweet and take responsibility when you do something wrong or you say something incorrectly, I guess, or it's, as you may think, is misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Just being very careful of realizing once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. It's never truly gone, including admitting when you're playing happy, quote-unquote. And I say that in trying to make yourself look perfect, being perfect, which is seemingly some of the ideas of influencers who are now kind of backtracking and talking and having a little more realistic take of their life. Mm-hmm. But essentially, one of the pe- reasons people are influencers I'm seeing is because they seem ha- seem to have a perfect life, which is completely fake and being completely happy all the time. Um, and then one of the reasons you and I started talking, again, about influencers, because I know that's been a subject before, and how they came to exist is due to the Natalie Beach and um, Caroline Kellaway incident that happened in September, which was this whole moment in which Caroline Kellaway was a giant Instagram influencer. Turns out Natalie Beach was her ghostwriter for the captions, which apparently is a thing. That's a big thing, and I don't know much about it. It makes sense. Yeah. Why not? Um, have your agency, have your publicist. They all take care of the social media aspect. For us, it's typically us yeah. that's doing it. Um and by the way, I'm trying to figure out some things because our website changed. So that's kind of messed <laughs> you might some have things noticed, up. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I'm kind of like, oh no, how do I do this? Yes. Uh, but it also began to be a tell all scandal because Callaway also ended up doing a breach of contract for a book deal that she had. And then um, she had an event that went wonky. So it kind of was a, like, you know, what is that fire? 
Oh, a fire festival? Like, kind of fire festival, very Ooh. downgraded, disaster level, oh, essentially. Wow. She kept canceling, uncanceling, canceling. People were very upset because, you know, they thought they were going to be able to meet her, do all of these amazing things to learn how to be influencers as well. And then Beach had this, again, tell-all essay um, in which she kind of just drags their friendship. It turns out to be kind of a toxic friendship, which we hear many a times in many a relationships growing up. It just happened to be on that level, uh, and it escalated pretty quickly in that time frame, I think. And, and, and as Rolling Stone magazine states, it combusted. And as they would say once again, that, yeah, this is kind of the ultimate expectation and downfall of the industry, which is an industry now, this influencer Absolutely world. Absolutely it is. But, yeah, that's kind of one of the reasons I was very interested in you and I started talking about it. I was like, what is this world that's getting bigger and bigger and that you can crash and burn so significantly? Oh, yes. So, anyway, with that, uh-huh. what are we talking about with this? Well, I can tell you, Samantha. <laughs> yes, tell me. What does it mean to be a social media influencer? Well, from a research paper titled, Who Are the Social Media Influencers? A Study of Public Perceptions of Personality, authored in 2010 by Karen Friberga, Kristen Graham, and Karen McGahee and Lauren A. Freeberg. Social media influencers, or SMIs, represent a new type of independent third-party endorser who shape audience attitudes through blogs, tweets, and the use of other social media. Okay, so that's a lot. Uh, By being authentic with their audiences... Their recommendations of products and services drive sales and traffic. They come in two main types, celebrity and micro. Obviously, one has a bigger audience and thus a bigger reach. A lot of influencers are niche, focusing specifically on beauty or being a mom, what have you. This is where we get terms like Insta-fame, our YouTube star. YouTube star, they have their own award show. I know. That's a big thing. Look, I have a YouTube award, Samantha. I don't know if you knew this about me. (laughs) So you are a YouTube star. Okay. No, but I did produce the show that they got an award. That's fair. This show, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So Promo Republic breaks it down even more. Celebrities, artists, politicians, public people who have 1 million followers, and each of their posts gain up to 5% engagement. Their impact comes from their status and personal brand, which is obvious. Yeah, you would know. Macro influencers are people who have less than 1 million followers, and each of their posts gain up to 10% engagement. Their expertise generate with a specific category, and it can be anything from traveling to business development. And then there are micro influencers, and these are people who have at least 500 followers. Most of their posts gain more than 25% engagement. These individuals build real engagement with the brand and have a unique relationship with their audience. Such close relations in a certain niche can bring really outstanding results in terms of promotion of any company planning to cooperate with this expert. They also had this interesting stat. Remember, the best way to collaborate with a certain expert in social media is to work according to the 1990 rule. 90% of internet users consume the content, whereas only 1% produce the original one. Oh, that makes sense. I suppose. Those are recreations or retweets or reposts of things, so that that makes sense. Okay, yeah. And then fun fact, the term micro-celebrity was first coined in 2001 by Teresa M. Synth when she was researching cam girls. Yeah, people are or can be really, really loyal to their social media influencers. For example, water from influencer Belle Delphine's bathtub was sold for $30 and ew. Yeah, and she, it wasn't even her idea. People were, you know, suggesting it, and then she put it in water bottles and sold it for $30 and apparently sold out. Sold out. It sold out. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
And in case you're wondering, which you probably weren't, but I was, <laughs> yes, there are artificial intelligence-created influencers like Lil Michaela. She has over, well, she, it has over a million followers. Not even real. Million followers. Influencer. This is the future. A confluence of things allowed for the rise of the influencer, which I think should be the next Star Wars movie. Rise of the influencer. <laughs> One was the availability of the technology and widespread use of social media. Second, a growing distrust for companies. In one survey, half of the social media users indicated they'd unfollow a brand if it was marketing too aggressively. Influencers are a way of circumventing that, like getting a product recommendation from a friend. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about the T-Mobile guy. Oh, yeah. Everybody was really annoyed by his brand, and he was losing his, you know, losing his mind trying to be remembered as the CEO. Uh And so he bought all this ad space. Be like, hey, you want free things? I got free things. I'm the T. You don't know me? I'm the T-Mobile CEO. And it was so annoying. People were like, that was the main conversation was, you're annoying. Please stop this. Begging him to stop. Yeah, and that, I mean, we certainly had conversations in my friend group about how if you see too much of an ad for something, it turns you off of that thing. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you would want to see this movie, but 15 commercials within two minutes later, you don't want to see it anymore. Right. So, I, yeah, I get that an influencer can be a, a way to not have to deal with that. And in theory, you're getting an authentic, because that is a big piece of this, which right. we're going to talk about a little bit more, um, an authentic recommendation Influencers have, on average, the same or higher return on investment than traditional advertising. Instagram is viewed as the most profitable, with almost 90% of influencers indicating it as their primary platform. I found so many blogs and articles directed at putting companies in touch with the right influencers. It blew my mind. How much they should offer to pay. There's like this whole bidding system. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. From Tenuity, Instagram influencers... Get you, you need about $1,000 per 100,000 followers. Snapchat influencers starts at $500 per campaign in 24 hours. YouTube influencers, roughly 2000 per 100,000 followers. You can see how that would add up yeah. pretty quick. And the average price for a sponsored Instagram post jumped from $134 to, in 2014 to $1,642 in 2019. Whew. That's a lot of money. Yep. Here are some other stats as reported by the BBC. The average cost for a sponsored Instagram post has risen 44% from 2018 to 2019 alone. For a sponsored blog post, it has soared from $7.39 in 2006 to $1,442 in 2019. YouTube videos command the highest fees, four times that of the next highest price form of sponsored content, up from $420 in 2014 to $6,700 in 2019. A Facebook status update has risen from $8 in 2014 to $395 in 2019. A Twitter post has risen from $29 in 2014 to $422 in 2019. And then blog posts have risen from $407 to $1,442. That's pretty astronomical. That's giant amounts of money. Yeah, and I knew I knew some of this world, but I didn't know this. Right. And I think that... For all of us, this is good to know. Yeah. This is good it's information a to have. Very giant jump. Yes. From Bloomberg in 2018, quote, one third of British children aged six to 17 wanted to become a YouTuber, which was three times as many as those who wanted to become a doctor or a nurse. Oh, the new age. It doesn't surprise me at all, though. No, not really. Yeah. 
And let's take a quick snapshot of social media users. In the United States, while underrepresented in all other types of media, women are more likely than men to use all platforms of social media apart from LinkedIn. However, men are twice as likely to get retweeted compared to women, and some suggest that this could be fixed if women used more traditional hashtags. And of course, women are far, far likelier to be subject to harassment, cyberbullying, and abuse. Influencer is one of the few areas that women earn more than men, outperforming them by 35%. In the UK, female influencers earn 51% more a week as compared to the average annual salary. By 2020, influencer marketing posts are expected to reach $6.12 million. Analysts predict it will be a $10 billion industry. 72% of brands are leveraging a significant amount of their budgets to influencers. Wild. We need to do better. <laughs> you know, most articles I read said there was some line in there along along the, the lines of, I'm in the wrong career, clearly. I right. could be doing this. Um, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know there are a lot of arguments being made here about how companies capitalize on women's insecurity to sell them stuff, and social media can be a hotbed of insecurity. But I would advise not dismissing the power of this or dismissing it as not real work because, yeah, um, it is... I've seen it in action, and it is work. It's one of the reasons I am early on social media. It's <laughs> like I don't have time. Um, and it, yeah, on top of like a full-time job, it's just it's too much. And building up an audience is hard, and it takes dedication and time. And I know for people kind of in the in the know of this, there are tricks you can do, but even those, you got to have the money. Being authentic in your work and being vulnerable is also not an easy task, being always on. And I bet if men dominated this industry, we'd be having a different conversation. There are also less barriers to entry for women in this area than other career fields. And in today's day and age, like it or not, this is a legit pathway to stardom. Cardi B, Billie Eilish kind of started in this realm And it is also interesting that a lot of successful female social influencers are making money off of things that have long been demonetized because they are devalued as women's work, like crafting or or being a mom, things like that. Um, Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this since we've done the research. And as someone who works in the public sphere where your personality and your past are a part of what you bring to the job, I can say sometimes it's you can feel this pressure to share parts of your life that you might not want to share because you want that relationship to be there. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very open person and I want to share and I want people listening to hear things that I wish someone had told me and been honest with me about when I was younger. But it does get hard to separate your work life and personal life. Like I'll be out and something will happen to me. I'm like, oh, I can talk about this on the show. And it's one of the first things I think. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of interesting to be in a field like that. Um, (laughs) And you want to be relatable and you want to be authentic. And sometimes that can be unhealthy. Right. I do find it interesting now that I am now on this podcast and when I talk about it, people tell me their experiences to be like, maybe you should do a show on this. Yeah. And it's a very relatable, very common thing to do. And Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense because you don't care if it doesn't really pertain to either what you want what you think about, or who you would like to be. You know what I mean? Whether it's a fantasy idea of being Kim Kardashian-like or uh, Kylie Jenner rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. I'm not going to lie. Or whether it's you want to be a better influencer, a better person, so therefore you see these people who do these amazing things. 
you know, you got, and then you kind of go out and be like, how do I become that person? So how can I be more relatable to that? Or yes, I experienced that. I feel so seen. Those yeah. are conversations that people want to have for sure. Yeah, and and that's great, and it's totally, totally natural. And one of my favorite episodes we ever did in the past was on parasocial relationships, which I feel like this whole thing is that. Right. And that's when you feel like you know somebody through, like, we're watching their influencer. It's speaking of the Kim Kardashian, yeah, the Kardashians, their whole show was a great example of that, and then they moved it into social media as well, and they've been very successful right. at it. Um, But it is... It can be hard if you put so much of yourself and your real, your true self out there, your life out there, because right. any judgments on that is a judgment on you. And that can be hard to deal with. Right. So individualism, exposure, self-branding, and relative ease of use of social media has led to somewhat of a myth that not only can anyone become successful and famous, but it isn't even that hard to do so, which we know that's not true. No. And in a lot of ways, social media is an extension of things that have traditionally been seen as women's work, quote-unquote, like emotional labor and also things like image control and, of course, the albeit having it all. And that goes back to what you were talking about earlier of kind of portraying this view of the perfect... Plain happy. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'm not on social media a lot is because, as I've said, it's not good for me, even though I recognize when I... Looking on social media, of course, you're posting mm-hmm. the best or the happiest things, generally, not everybody. People's whole lives aren't that. But when that's all you're seeing, you're like, well, I'm stuck here doing this or whatever. I will say your uh, stories make me feel like I'm missing out on things. But also, Cupcakes, it really, mostly. but also it makes me exhausted. So I'm like, yeah, no, no, I can't be there. <laughs> that, yeah. No, if, if you've noticed something with my voice, it's because of a recent <laughs> social media story. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. And we did want to talk about feminism specifically and social media influencers. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, there is a lot of anxiety and disagreement out there when it comes to feminist social media influencers. In some ways, especially in some areas, it helps democratize feminism. If someone is in an isolated area or an area where feminism largely isn't accepted and there may be some gatekeeping, unintentional or not, to attend feminist conferences, talks, what have you, being a feminist social media influencer or following a feminist social media influencer is a way to make it more accessible and to reach more people. It's a cheaper way to organize, and in some ways, it allows for more autonomy. For instance, some argue that Me Too never would have taken off without social media influencers. And as we've talked about before, a part of the problem of the mainstreaming of feminism are the corporations who jump in to monetize feminism while at the same time undercutting it. They're still trying to sell you something at the end of the day, and now they just put a fake feminist coating on it. Beauty, Beauty brands are really bad about that. Since social media influencers and podcasters generally work via sponsorships, this can be very, very tricky wires to navigate. Just as we know, we've talked about it before. Having sponsors does not mean someone isn't a feminist or they can't be a feminist social media influencer. But there is a lot of anxiety around the capitalization of feminism for a lot of reasons. It doesn't help that for some... Feminist social media influencers, there's a layer of slacktivism. Right. Going off of that, another criticism of feminist social media influencer is a cross-generational one we see throughout 
all of history, meaning that they didn't pay their dues. It was too easy for them when the women before them had to put their bodies on the line. But this, again, goes back to the whole gatekeeping. We need more feminists, not less. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that there aren't women who may or may not label themselves as feminists, capitalizing and profiting off of the insecurities of women and girls, of course. Kim Kardashian, again, is a name that comes up a lot in this conversation. It's pretty sickening when you think about someone with that much influence selling lollipops that are supposed to suppress your appetite or waist trainers to keep you. You're supposed to work out in those, I believe. Those are painful looking. They do look very, very painful, especially if you're lifting weights or something. Right. I will say I've seen people work out with it um, in the gym, and I don't know if it motivates them more, but usually halfway through they take it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I imagine. I just imagine it with peach, but, you know, Did that's you say me. peach? Pinch. Pinch. Okay. How do you say it? <laughs> I was really like, you pinch. <laughs> that is a real country. Is it? <laughs> well, regardless, the, the whole selling of these things to people, especially young people, are especially harmful when said influencer frames it as empowerment or in the context of mental health while exploiting and profiting off of mental health issues like eating disorders. Multiple studies have shown that social media filters impact how we see ourselves and a not insignificant amount of women and girls have sought out cosmetic surgery to look more like their digital selves. Mm, and unfortunately, a lot of female social media influencers do operate within the walls of traditional femininity and or objectification. Mommy blogs, fitspiration, and endless photos of toned bodies. None of these things are bad necessarily, but when that's all that we see, that becomes really damaging. Social media and feminism might be a larger conversation than the one we're having, but this, again, will be something that we need to come back on and have yeah. a second look, obviously, because it is a bigger thing to unfold. Mm-hmm. And while the boundaries of entry might be lower, the realm of social media influencer is still largely privileged and beauty-based. And like, we need to understand that this is a privileged industry and that people who come into it, even though it was really hard for them to build that up, as we talked about at the earlier part, Caroline Calloway made everything look beautiful and had to have a ghostwriter come behind her to yeah. make it embellished, just as a reminder. Yeah, I'm, I'm always a big fan of being open about when anyone, anyone ever asks me, what does it take to be a podcaster? I will tell you straight up. <laughs> I, will not, I will not hide any of the details from you. Another wrinkle in this whole thing is the phenomenon of feminist takedowns of female influencers who do things like use Photoshop. A great case study of this is that of Anastasia Kvitko, a model and influencer often called the Russian Kim Kardashian. In 2019, a user with a bunch of followers called at fake girls posted a series of things to call out Kvitko's apparent use of Photoshop to enhance her features. These posts have since been deleted. The account then called on his followers, numbering in the 10,000s, to take guesses at the body parts Kvitko photoshopped in a recent picture. And so many trolls descended on her account, calling her fake and pathetic, and far worse, she made her account private. And that kept coming back to me, if Kim Kardashian, if this happened to her and she had to make her account private, blows my mind. Mm -hmm. And some of it has to do with this need to expose female influencers for promoting and making a living off of beauty standards that for many of us are unattainable and downright unhealthy for us to chase after. So by exposing influencers for using Photoshop or the like, some people think they're doing a public service. There are so, so many accounts that do this, and many of them have thousands, even millions of followers. This is another complicated issue because, yes, 
Beauty standards are damaging, and understanding that the look you feel like you have to have was actually a product of Photoshop is a good thing. We could go on and on about the negative health outcomes of comparing yourself to a celebrity and trying to look like that and punishing yourself when you don't look like that. But so often, these exposure accounts just give a sanctioned space to attack and tear other women down. Some influencers have even reported exposure accounts not only for harassment, but for posting pictures of them altered to make them look worse. Even though, for better or worse, it has become normal for men to alter their appearances, whether through Photoshop or cosmetic surgery, these exposure accounts focus almost exclusively on women, and some accounts focus on specifically exposing one woman. Right, and for instance, Jessica Celeste. After serving for seven years in the U.S. Army, she pivoted to modeling, but one exposure account popped up to concentrate fully on her, posting pictures on their account that were photoshopped to make her look heavier. A lot are candid pictures of her. This account only had a few hundred followers, which still, by the way, sucks. Yes. It shouldn't exist. But it got picked up by the same exposure account we mentioned earlier, which has of course, way, way, way more followings. And this got picked up by the verified male YouTuber and his hundreds and thousands of followers, which he used in part to ridicule female influencers. And you can imagine all of these comments calling her flabby, a slut, that she needs to go to the gym, and of course, blah, 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 with all the damn judgments. Yeah. In an earlier iteration of this, Jezebel offered $10,000 for the untouched photos of a Vogue photo shoot with Lena Dunham. Hours later, hours later they had it, and posted before and after pictures with arrows demarcating all of the changes. They claimed that this was an effort to demonstrate how, quote, insane and unattainable beauty standards are for women. But Dunham said it just felt gross. And of course, we've seen celebrities take this into their own hands, posting unretouched photos of photo shoots. But... We've also talked about how that can be damaging, too, and there are whole apps now to make a photo look unretouched. So some of those photos are, quote, fake as well. Some exposure accounts do post pictures with the subject's consent showing before and after. So there's ways to do this without shaming and attacking other women. Right, and we can talk about the random people who like to pull photos just to make fun of people not knowing who they are, and these strangers come up and seeing themselves being completely ridiculed. Yeah. Why? 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 Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this really pisses me off. Uh, There's this impossible beauty standard that you have to live up to, or you're worthless and gross, but you. If you use makeup and cosmetic surgery or Photoshop to get it, I hate it. Oh. I like it. Someone's getting feisty. Hello, 2020. Time to speak out. And I agree. The whole bullshit of being one thing without being the other, because if you're too much or too little, it makes someone nervous, you know? So respect my uncomfortableness and please just go by my rules and my standards because AKA haters of Lizzo, Ari Lennox, and Blue Ivy, they should be comforted somehow yeah, because they're uncomfortable with whatever appearance this person may be comfortable with themselves. Yeah. And that's such absurdity, whether it's finally accepting who you are and being happy and learning to love yourself instead of, I don't know, hating yourself, hiding away from the world and wishing everything would disappear, mm-hmm. to actually finally feeling comfortable with who you are and loving or at least becoming one with who you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I do understand why it is that we want to lash out with people being comfortable with themselves because this is, of course, us projecting our own fears mm-hmm. and a lot of times having the need to speak out about something because you're unhappy 
Yeah. Or they are unhappy, which is unnecessary. And then to make money off of that, such as that website we're talking about that just takes women and rips them apart and just for fun of it, yeah. just to gain attention. It makes no sense. And it's such BS. It is. It's unnecessary. It is. We can do better than this. And I was I was thinking about this, and I, I wondered if it had something to do with power, like how unfortunately women's currency is their looks, and there's resentment for women gaming the system and making money through what some people view as cheating, while others are pissed that they're participating and benefiting from the system at all, or our anger that we ourselves feel like we can't use the tools that person is using. Because a lot of these accounts, these exposure accounts, are run by women. A lot of them have something like not a hate account and or here for your self-esteem in their bios. And I read a lot of interviews with people who run these accounts. And some of them, they've heard from a lot of people who said, thank you, you helped me with my self-confidence because I kept comparing myself to celebrities. But the comments in general, they don't seem to reflect that. A bunch of criticizing how women look probably her sexuality, probably calling her a slut, and then several from women and girls asking, oh, yeah, but really, though, what lip fillers do they use? Or what what makeup? What editing app? Right. It, it doesn't reflect this, whatever they're espousing, what they say, here for your self-esteem. I don't know. This is definitely a passive-aggressive way of being, hey, yeah, I'm helping you, but also I want to damage someone else to help my others. And I'm sure that it did help. I don't doubt that at all. I, I remember the day when I had a moment of, oh, I wonder, I mean, if it was my job to look good, I bet I, I right. really, really could. I mean, that's, that's the reality is that a lot of these celebrities, they have the tools, the, the, whether it's the trainer, whether it's the chef, whether it's the mm-hmm. nutritionist. Um, that's all lovely. Whether it's the uh, makeup team, fantastic. That's, that, I think we all could agree that would be something that would help us all look wonderful and look Mm -hmm. like we have the best. But there's this whole level, again, of having and being all. That's this nonsensical, damaging idea of you must be the perfect mix of something. But you better be natural because if not, you're not worth our time. If you can't be all these things to all people, then you have no importance and need to be silenced. That's just an absurd idea. And once again, yes, these people may be whatever. Fantastic. Right. You look amazing. Your skin is flawless, beautiful, whatever, what the hell ever. But yeah, it it takes work. And for those who may come naturally, because I mean, I see a lot of people with wonderful skin and I'm just like, wow, tell me how you get that skin. And it's genetics. There's no need to like go after them either. Appreciate it with who they are. End of story. And if you can afford it and it makes you happy, then do it. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't make you happy, then you need to question why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and this whole thing kind of reminds me of what we talked about in the incels episode about that whole thing of, of judging women for wearing makeup and right. cosmetic surgery. It's almost a more mainstream way of doing that. Right. I don't know. Using social media influencers, especially in the minefield of inauthentic or out-of-touch way, can majorly backfire. Think Kendall Jenner and that very poorly thought out. Pepsi ad, Um, more than one influencer has been brought down by um, false cancer cure claims, for instance. And we should say, too, as many of you probably know, SpawnCon, our sponsored content, has recently been subject to more scrutiny and regulations. Some diet-related posts have been banned by Instagram for being irresponsible. Governments have stated that being unclear about sponsorships and posts might violate laws. 
The Federal Trade Commission recently issued new guidelines requiring influencers are explicit about who's paying for post. Fake followers is a new troubling trend as well. Right. Instagram did pretty well in trying to get rid of those fake followers or bot followers a, a few years ago, which is which was kind of funny because the significant decline mm-hmm. in a lot of supposed influencers' uh, followership was almost comical. Yeah, yeah. And I think these are good things. That, like I said, I, I really don't have necessarily in general a problem with it, but I think you should be upfront with whatever it is. Be honest. Be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes. Uh, and we do have a little bit more, a, a good good note to end on perhaps. Ooh. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And yeah, it's not all bad. Um, We did want to end on this quote that we really liked from feminist and activist Sheena Magenya. No matter how our ideas and iterations of feminism manifest, we should never shift our focus from the issues. We should not forget that this same internet where self-centered, selfie feminists occupy space and power is itself a site of oppression. And the existence of this voice, whether it speaks for us or not, is resistance. The internet and social media in particular has the effect of a microscope where we stop looking at the whole petri dish of fungus and fall around this one bacteria. Our fight should always be against structures of social, cultural, political, economic, and environmental power that oppress us and force us to either hoard space and resources or carve it out for ourselves and on our own terms. Now, more than ever, we need solidarity with and for our selfie-taking, natural hair care vlogging, feminist fashion selling, anything goes, social media feminist influencers. We don't have enough of them, and the few that dare make popular or difficult politic are facing a considerable amount of backlash. Feminists that dare the best way they know how to occupy whatever space and influence they can, even when what is being sold is feminism light, we must stand in solidarity with them. The quiet, introverted, and offline feminist can coexist with the loud, self-absorbed online feminist. We have to believe that we dream of a feminist future where we take turns to stand in the hot sun. Believe it or not, the Twitter feminists, too, are doing this blood, sweat, and tears work. Boom. I love it. It's a good one. I love it. The whole article is really great. If, uh... If anyone's interested, highly recommend you go check it out. And yeah, that's yeah about what we have to say. That's a good, good note to end on. Absolutely, absolutely. I love it. And if you would like to email us about social media influencers or influencing or anything else, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 